So there is no retirement wall that hits them and stops them from earning. So earning potential now go on into your 80s and 90s and still be earning just like you did when you're in your 40s or 50s. And I think that's an important thing these days. Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. We're in the middle of steamy August, and we have a very special guest today, Steve Wright, who is coming to us from the state of North Carolina, which is where we're based here in Raleigh and recording out of the Earfluence Studios. But he has a really interesting story to share. So welcome to the program, Steve. Thanks for being with us. Why don't we just start off the broadcast here and you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, What has been a bit of your career journey? Um, Maybe who is a mentor or an experience that's inspired you? And we'll kind of dive deeper into some other aspects of, of your journey. That's a big question. Thank you, Becky. It's an honor to be on your program and to uh, talk about entrepreneurship and community colleges and our life stories because they all interweave in amazing ways. And I, I look back at my own life and I sometimes shudder a little bit at some of the situations I found myself in. And you know, I've always been attracted to entrepreneurship. I can remember writing business plans about opening a bookstore or a map store back after I graduated from NC State many years ago. And one of the reasons that I first got involved with restaurant work, I worked for a chain of restaurants that moved me from Baltimore to Los Angeles, was that I wanted to know what it was like to operate an entire business, you know, from the purchasing and the hiring of employees and and the payroll and everything else. I certainly got that experience. I ran a chain of restaurants in Los Angeles, which, uh, you know, it gets exciting. Uh, You get some noises going on outside. You get some pretty strange people different times of nights, but it's a fun place. I did that for a number of years, got my master's in business from Pepperdine and began to work for the phone company of all places and doing audits. It was a total change for me, a a calm lifestyle compared to the hectic lifestyle Mm -hmm. of running a restaurant. But the more I got into it, that was just when the internet was coming out and we we began to realize the phone company was not going to be what it was. It was going to be something new. So I got involved with the project, setting up business incubators, using the internet and lots of other things back in the 1990s when it was still considered kind of what weird, you know. And so we we did that. I, I learned more about entrepreneurship then talking to a lot of venture capitalists. What were they looking for in somebody to invest in them? And I I learned a lot from those venture capitalists. We tried to run our business incubator to support their notions of what they would invest. And a lot of it is social. A lot of it's getting to know people. A lot of it is proving that you got the moxie or whatever it is, the the rigor, the the drive to get things done. So that's... that's 
Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think relationship building is so important. And there were three little nuggets as you were kicking us off this morning that I found to be really important. And the first was, it seems to me that throughout your career, you've been infused with the sense of curiosity. And, and I'm sure a lot of that came through in your restaurant work when you're trying to understand people and, and keep systems going. But what would you say for people who are listening, maybe some folks that are career changers like you were, or you young people. We're about six miles from NC State, your, your alma mater. So we got perhaps some Wolfpack fans that are listening. What would you say about curiosity and how important that might be to one's career? Well, I always get goosebumps thinking about it because, I mean, the ability to reinvent yourself, to, to look at new things. I mean, it's absolutely Wonderful. I, it was NC State where I took a modern poetry class, and one of the poets we studied was D.H. Lawrence. And, and he's attributed with a statement that the most important power we have as human beings is the ability to forget. And I mean, I think that has to do with the ability to forget all our woes and all our concerns and all of our fears and be able to start fresh. And, and that's what I think has always attracted me to entrepreneurship. And even now, I mean, I I left Verizon and, and and after many years of marketing and that sort of thing with the Internet, and I moved on to the community college system, where for the last 12 years, I've headed up their statewide they call it ICT, Information Communications Technologies Efforts. And I interviewed business people and vendors and government people. We did a weekly podcast and a weekly uh, video and helped all the faculty understand what's going on out there so they could keep their curriculum fresh. And to me, that was just a, a enjoyable time. But it's the it, it, that came to an end, though, as well. And, uh, well, and and like you said, you know, that's the beauty of life, right? If you think about it as chapters. So I don't want to lose this because this is really, I think, important what you said about a poetry class. And people don't generally think of maybe a tech person, but that's really what makes a human being well-rounded, right? We, we think about the arts. We think about maybe what our passion is, but we also have to learn about other things like STEM. You mentioned your career with Verizon. Um, Verizon has been a wonderful part and leader in the country and the work that uh, my organization, the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship has done through the Verizon Innovative Learning Program. We've just been honored to work alongside them. They serve thousands of students uh, through community colleges. So they're, they're middle schoolers and um, rural and urban areas that may not have opportunity as much as you know some people do, and they really bridge that gap. So I, that just makes me happy to hear that part of your career was with Verizon. And I think when you were talking about the ability to forget, the other thing that it struck in my mind is really the the ability to forgive, right? Because if we are entrepreneurial, what are we going to do? We're going to make lots of mistakes. And I think the ability to forgive ourselves and others and that ability to push forward is is just so critical. So as we go on, because I want to dig in a little bit to what how you made that transition to community colleges, talk a little bit about being sort of having an entrepreneurial mindset, how do you sort of lean into that? Both forgive and forget and move on and, and kind of learning from your mistakes. 
Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very thoughtful question. I, I did get involved with the community colleges because I volunteered my time when I was at Verizon. I was on a lot of boards and and that, that really helped. And I just love the community colleges having been attended to three separate four-year uh, institutions at NC State, Pepperdine, and Southern Methodist University. When I encountered the community colleges, it's like, wait a second, this is where they've been hiding the real people. And, and now I finally get to know all those students who, who are striving hard, who are working a day job and also working a, or a night job, whatever, and they have more determination and more drive than the folks in the four-year colleges. And I thought, yeah, I, I like this. This is If I'm going to pick a spot to give back, this is this is it. And, and then that uh, segued into me actually getting 12 years worth of grant work, leading things in their the whole digital media and IT and, and the software space. And, and that was a very enjoyable time. The point that I'd like to transition to in a way is when you're being an entrepreneur nowadays, it's complicated out there. And one thing I learned from Verizon and the IT world and everything is you now you need to understand digital marketing nationwide. You need to know cloud-based back office support systems. You need to know uh, how to negotiate national contracts. And how do you do that if you're just a one little stop shop? And so I think the, the leg of the journey that I'm on right now is I I began to realize for myself, because I was no longer with the community college system and, and being paid for by a grant. Okay, now I've got to really be entrepreneurial. It's sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at franchises. And that's when I realized, wait a second, they got everything already figured out. They know what the market is. They know how to market to it. They give you the complete playbook and everything. And to a certain extent, it's a little insulting. Like, what do you mean? They're going to tell me what to do. I, I can tell myself what to do. Well, you know what? You can learn a lot from people that have had success. And they're not really looking to take your money and sell you a franchise. They're looking for a business partner. And uh, a lot of people nowadays, midlife, are finding that they're not getting rehired in the jobs that they probably think they could do. The wages are a lot less, and yet they've got a little bit of investment money from either a house or a HELOC or something like that. And they can step into a franchise and become their own boss and run a very successful business for the rest of their life. So there is no retirement wall that hits them and stops them from earning. So earning potential now, you go on into your 80s and 90s and still be earning just like you did when you're in your 40s or 50s. And I think yeah. that's an important thing these days. It's so important, Steve. And I'm glad you brought up franchising because two of our uh, staunch supporters here at NACI, Chip and Stuart Weismiller, uh, have had some long running, you know, relationships with Babson College, you, you know, that out in Boston. And one of the things when we visited um, with them up there is they really were focused in on, on franchising. And one of the things that we shared a statistic that people might not know is that, you know, 80%, if you follow the prescription, right, for from the franchise, you can be very successful. So the failure rate of businesses, um, you mitigate to some degree that risk. And one of the things that Chip Weismiller shared with me, and he keeps uh, kind of reminding me, is that one of the lowest cost franchises, as you might know, is Subway or was Subway at some point because of the cost of starting up that franchise and because of the friends and family model, and which is really interesting. So maybe you could share with us a little bit more about franchises. If one wanted to kind of delve into that, how would they find out what franchise might be right for them? 
That's the question. Now you got every single goosebump in my body going because I think it's the most amazing thing in the world right now. You know, forget all the food franchises, forget the donuts, forget the hamburgers, forget the pizzas. Let's start talking about medical services. Let's start talking about infusion therapies. Home services obviously are very big, made healthcare, that sort of thing, but B2B office support, property management, uh, moving and storage, computer technology support. These things are just like Crazy. Anything that you could do that even a big company might have done in through regional type outlets. Now they're saying, wait a second, why don't we f- turn it into a franchise and get people who are really competent in this field or, or people who just plain have a lot of drive and we'll give them the competency and they can run it and it works even better. And so that's what we're seeing now. Uh, so most people, when you say franchise, have a very outdated notion of what it is. And it's it's changed. And I, I can't imagine going into business uh, nowadays without it because you can't catch up as an entrepreneur. Now, there, there's several different ways to get involved in franchising. One, one is you, you explore the various franchises and you you pick one. You know, the uh, another might be that if you really are so entrepreneurial that you've got a great idea, you can turn your company into a franchising thing. And, and that's a, actually it's a, considered a fundraising strategy back when I got my MBA 20 years ago. And then thirdly, another way to get involved, which is what I do, is I'm a franchise consultant. And so what I do is when people say to me, Steve, how do I get a franchise? You know, first thing I have to explain to them is that, you know, you can get a franchise, you can, you can, you can pay money, but what you really need to do is find the right one for you, for your lifestyle uh, that meets your, what you're comfortable with investment wise and meets your goals long-term. And there's over 3000 of them right now. And so uh, what a franchise consultant does is they typically have a database as I do, because I'm a member of a network. We can pretty much scan on different types of franchises, uh, different skill sets and that sort of thing, and come up with options that we can talk with the person about. But unlike most businesses, most businesses, when you go into business, you say, what is my product and what is the market for it? And is it going to work? Well, Mm -hmm. in this situation, that's still important. But what's more important is, is is it going to work for you? Because if you have children, you don't want to work weekends. So that's not that's going to be no food franchises. So forget about that. If if you want to work from home, there's a certain number that meet that category. You know, just if you're very outgoing and you're like a salesperson type mentality, there's some that are going to be your sweet spot. Other ones where if you're like more the strategic kind of planner and that kind of thing, there are ones that work well for that. Some of the franchise companies seem a little bit driven and telling you what to do. Some of them just do whatever you want. And, and and a lot of them have networks of franchisees that help each other. So it could be a very community kind of thing. They're all different. And that's the challenge uh, of this new thing. So when it comes to an education role and the community college system or anything else, I would certainly champion the idea that we need a whole lot more information about franchise options, how they're different, what works, how do people match themselves. I think it's just a it's a new way of doing business, and it needs to be understood. I, I love that. We'll have to talk more about that because that's really the mission of NACI is really to infuse entrepreneurship, not only into the classroom, but into the community. And as you said, the community college is where the real people are. So the average age is 28. And every May, we have a graduation across the country, 1,100 plus community colleges. Typically, the youngest student is about 14 has, you know, gone through high school and earned, you know, so many credits. They actually earn an associate's degree. 
And often the oldest students that might be earning a certificate or some type of a degree might be in their late 60s or early 70s. And and so all along the way, there's that option. But I want to go back for a second and ask you, if I walked into your office and said, Steve, I'm, I want to try to find a franchise, explain to us what that counseling session might look like. Do we meet once and you kind of give me a diagnostic and I go on my way and, and explore options? Or do we meet more frequently or are there groups of people that meet? I have an answer. I have an answer. And, and the first thing is it costs you nothing. Uh, my role is technically a recruiter for the franchisors. Now, in my particular case, I have a network of 300 franchisors. So I'm not beholden to any particular one. And and honestly, you can't do this job unless you are just dealing with truths. You, you don't sell anybody anything. Uh, so uh, the first thing I do is I ask people, well, what are you interested in? What are your skills, affinities? What do you like to do? Uh, I have a questionnaire with about 20 boxes you can check or rate from one to 10 and that sort of thing. And that gives me an idea whether you, you like automotive type things or medical or, or that that sort of thing. And then the next thing I, I try to get through uh, is through, and this is a, basically a half hour discussion. It could be an hour Oh. What's your lifestyle needs? What are you, what's your business style? What's your what's your type of, of management? Are you that 95? Are you an aggressive person? Are you a passive person? This, that, or the other. And I got to tell you right now, and, and I don't want to seem patronizing, but this is the age of the woman right now. This is the, the midlife to 50, 60-year-old woman who has seen it all and now knows how to run stuff. She can take an investment level and run a franchise probably better than anybody else because she understands the plan and how to execute. And I, I've been reading articles written by women about women franchisees. I know coming from a man, it sounds weird to say women do this or women do that, but I'm, I'm quoting women. Okay. There is a style that works very well with franchisors. And my role is to recruit for the franchisors, the kind of person that's going to be successful running their franchise. And, and usually it's a type of person that can follow a plan and execute and, and gets things done. But the uh, third and final thing, not, well, not the third, not the final, but is, is what's your investment comfort level? Mm-hmm. We don't ask how much money do you have? But I mean, the, the fact is things, this is a business, it costs money. Now you can get into some as little as $20,000, $50,000 or whatever. And the money doesn't, they don't really sell you a franchise to take the money and run. They, the money just covers the cost of recruiting and training and things like that. The real money the franchisor makes is the 6% they get from you as an ongoing producer of what you're doing. So they want the right person. So depending on how you feel about how much investment you have, there are certain options we look at. From that, I would do, I would say, okay, let me go check. And so if you're in Raleigh, I would know what kind of things you like, uh, what your life work style is. I would know what your comfort in investment is. I would develop a list of about five or six different franchises that might fit that are currently available in Raleigh. Okay. And we sit down, it's a spreadsheet and we just say, okay, this is the investment level. This is what it takes. This is how much you can make. And this is kind of stuff. We can't tell you how much you make, but you could show you the documents that the franchisor produces that quote, how much other franchisees have made. And so it's a ticklish area right there because they're in way back in the beginning of franchise, people lied a lot about things. And so nowadays it's all government controlled. And uh, so they have to be very careful about that. But you, then the next process is after you've decided, you know, I really like this one, I introduce you to those people. And then technically I'm done. 
And you go through a process with them. And the neatest part about franchise, this is very important. The neatest part about buying a franchise is that you don't spend a penny until you're absolutely sure. And part of that process is called, uh, well, it has to do with talking to the other franchisees and finding out exactly how they feel about it. It's a private conversation you have with them. And so by the time it's done, you're sure. Because you're not going to spend that kind of money and and and, and tell yourself you're going to be working at this thing for the next 5, 10, 20 years uh, unless you're sure. And, and so it's a good process. It, it has to be done that way or else it wouldn't work. And so there's really very low risk. So so what happens if, uh, say, we go through that process, I you know, explore or or somebody in Raleigh or Carrie explores options and then I get into it and I'm loving it. I'm doing well. And then seven, eight, 10 years from now, I'm kind of done with it. Like, do I sell it? Do you know, like what happens then? Because as part of a franchise, you're not really a small business that you would sell. What Explain what, what might happen then if people don't have anyone in their family to take it on. It's a very important question to ask when you're going in because in some franchises, you have basically a term of time and it's an income stream. And when you're done, you're done. In other franchises, you actually acquire certain possessions, the property, the rights to do it. You can get pass it on to your children. So that's... Important planning question right there when you're going and they're they are all different. Uh, I just I have a favorite one right now. I love to give a real life illustration. It's called Fastest Labs. You know, your drug testing is a fact of life these days. Everybody has to get drug tested. Well, you don't need a medical degree to do anything that involves uh, urine or saliva. Okay, so you can set up a testing lab, and this is called Fastest Labs. You go out, check it out yourself, and I, and I have a, a lot of different ones that are my favorites, but this is this one because it makes so much money. For $50,000, you set this thing up, and, but the real the real job of the person setting it up is not to do the tests. You hire someone to do the tests. You go out and you market to all the business people that, hey, I can get you your test done in 15 minutes and give you same-day results. And that is so much different from people getting drug tests anywhere else. So it's a it's a great concept. It's a great great time to offer it. Matter of fact, I think I think Raleigh still has one available community. I was looking for a doctor in Goldsboro, and I found a couple of different places for him. It's just an example of who would have thought that's a franchise, you know? And it's it's a good money maker. Well, I think it goes back to what you were talking about also in terms of skills. So maybe there's that kind of, you know, very extroverted, high charging sort of sales type person that might leave a corporate job, but misses the relationship building and the hustling and, you know, the working toward goals. And it sounds to me like you are your skill or superpower, as some people call it today, is really helping people sort of tap into what kind of a lifestyle do they want to have, what kind of options that they have. And it's really a different way to work. So Steve, I'm excited to have this conversation. I hope this is the the first of many that we have, because I think this is a great option. But let our listeners know, how would they get in touch with you? If they, uh, a website, would they call you? Um, if people want to explore this a little bit more, I imagine now that we're uh, all Zoom-based or team-based, you could set up, you know, no-cost consultations with people that might want to explore this further. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's all no-cost and it's and it's fun, too, because you're, you're getting in touch with your inner desire to do something <laughs> different. Uh, so I'm, I'm Steve at rightca.com. So S-T-E-V-E at W-R-I-G-H-T-C-A.com. And my website is rightca.com. 
And so you can you can find me there and I have all the FAQs and examples of different types of franchises. You can spend an hour going through my website and getting all that information. But the, if you want to just send me a note, anybody, and, and let me know you're interested in talking about franchises. And we'll just set up a time and we'll do a quick call if you like or whatever. This can progress very fast. I can find somebody their choice franchise in as little as three days if they're like really wanting to crank on it and fill all the forms out and talk to me. Or some people just like to take their time and I follow up with them six months later. And Are you still interested in this or not? Or <laughs> just, Well, I like okay. that. I like that approach. And to me, uh, you bring a lot of credibility to the table just with your years of service to the community college system. Because like you, I fell in love with community colleges about 14 years ago, and I see them as just being vital in every community. So I thank you so much, Steve, for your time. And, and hopefully you've opened up a world of opportunity to somebody that might be listening, thinking, what is my next step? So I wish you and everyone in our our listenership a wonderful day and uh, think about contacting Steve or or taking a step toward um, your next chapter in your life. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www com. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially 
as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.